Hey, what's going on, y'all? I'm Nanurl, and you're listening to Unpacked Angles with me. These episodes were recorded for the Unpacked Angles YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the accompanying video, you can find the link in the description. If not, feel free to sit back, listen, and enjoy. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're getting into nine major tips that I have for you when it comes to creating screeners while recruiting participants for user testing, which I'm sure a lot of us are having to do or are going to have to do in the very near future. So first of all, what's a screener? A screener is a survey that is created essentially to weed out anyone that is not in our target audience. When we're doing testing and research, usually we have people who we are trying to get in contact with who we want to give us information. These people are our target audience. These are the people who we are trying to help. So when doing research or testing, we should be targeting specific types of individuals. That is our target audience, the people who we are creating and building for. So this screener helps us to make sure that we are getting information from the right people. Of course, we could test with everyone, but people who are outside of our target audience, so the wrong people, will not give us useful information. And this can be a waste of resources, so time and money, which nobody has to waste, especially right now. So that's not good. So just letting anybody take your tests or participate in your research by having a super wide screener or even no screener at all may not do you any good. But also on the flip side, in that same vein, having a screener that is too narrow won't do us any good either. It's very possible to have such a narrow screener that nobody makes it through. Clearly, it's important to make sure that we're creating screeners that are helping us and not hurting us. So in general, when we're creating these screeners, we wanna be able to capture the essence of the types of participants that we're looking for. Therefore, knowing about the people who you want to test with, that is your target audience, is necessary. And how do we do that? <laughs> research. So whether that is user experience research or just market research, because that can be helpful too, you want to make sure you have a good idea of the demographic and the psychographics and just the general information that defines and describes the type of people that we're looking for. And this helps you to be informed on where to post your actual screener. So you can post on Craigslist or Reddit or even in very specific forums. So you can do like specific Facebook groups or anywhere else online. Basically anywhere that you know that this target user or your target audience is going to be. In our screeners, we can get super specific or we can keep it kind of general. The more specific we are, the more narrow the screener. For example, if I was doing a research study and the research question required me to get information from people who shopped at Ikea online, that screener that I make for that study would not need to be too deep. I would probably need some questions that revolved around people's shopping habits, as well as maybe, you know, some demographic information and behavior. But if I needed to get information from young moms who had at least two kids who shopped for kitchen appliances in store at Ikea, then that screener survey would be much more involved. 
I would need questions that captured if they were a mom, if they had kids, how many kids they had, their shopping habits, if they shopped at Ikea and what they shopped at Ikea for, in addition to some demographic information. So there would definitely be a lot more involved there. So this screener survey would be more narrow. When creating these screeners, we have to make sure that the right answer, that is the answer that moves people on to the next question or further moves them along until they actually qualify for the test or the study, is not obvious to the survey participants. User tests and studies are typically incentivized with money. You get paid for your time as a study participant. Therefore, there are people who will try to get through just to get paid. On different platforms like usertesting.com, this type of behavior is discouraged by a few different methods, but it still happens. And especially today with the economy being really shaky and people losing their jobs left and right, money is pretty tight. So this brings us to the nine tips that I have for y'all on how to create these screener surveys the best way that we can so that we can get the most out of them. So some of these I've actually learned from experience firsthand while others are more so best practices that we all should adhere to when creating surveys in general. Tip number one, make sure you research the platform that you will be using to create your screener survey before you create the survey. This platform needs to have logic embedded in it does it? You need to make sure that people can be disqualified as they're taking your survey. So if they answer wrong, quote unquote, or they're not the person that you're looking for, they need to be redirected to a page or, you know, a, a form, whatever that says, hey, sorry, you actually did not qualify for this test. Thank you so much for your participation. You don't want everybody getting through, so make sure that there's logic involved to take the people you actually want to get information from to the next question all the way through. Also, figure out what types of questions this platform allows you to ask. There are several different types of questions like multiple choice, short answer, fill in the blank, whatever. You wanna make sure that you have an understanding of what the platform allows so that you can best craft your survey. If for instance, you need people to maybe rate something one through five, and this platform doesn't allow you to do that, maybe that platform is not for you. So just get an idea of what types of questions you can ask. Also know how many questions it allows you to ask. Google Forms, for instance, is a free tool that anybody can use. And as far as I know, they do not have a cap on the amount of questions that you can ask. Whereas if you were to use a platform like SurveyMonkey, I believe, you only have a certain amount of questions that you're able to ask for free. After that, you gotta pay. So if you're working with a tight budget, make sure you do your research and figure out what you're actually able to do within the budget that you have allotted for this. And of course, make sure you know how to use it. I cannot tell you how many questions I've seen in different surveys and in different screeners that have like multiple choice answers for something that should have allowed users to multiple select. Multiple choice and multiple select are two different types of answer choices. And so making sure that you understand that <laughs> in addition to all of the other types of questions that you're able to ask on that platform that you're using is important. So make sure you know how to use it because those little mistakes can be very costly. My next tip is to avoid yes or no answers like the plague. Is it yes or no answers or yes or no questions? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but avoid it. Questions that allow the survey takers to answer either yes or no makes it way too easy for 
anybody to get through. It's obviously a 50-50 chance that you're gonna guess the right answer and make it to the next question, or worse, make it all the way through to qualifying for the actual study. Including yes or no questions puts you at higher risk for capturing information from people that you actually don't want to participate in your test. So jumping back to the Ikea example, if I asked, do you shop at Ikea? Or have you shopped at Ikea? Those are yes or no questions, right? This person that's taking this survey may have shopped at Ikea like five and a half years ago. So of course they can answer yes. And it's very obvious that like nine out of 10 times, if I'm asking this specific question, yes is the right answer here. It's more likely that this test is going to be about Ikea if I'm asking this type of question. Next tip, make sure your answer options are clear. And a good way to do this is to utilize standard answer options for different question types. So different question types can consist of like frequency questions, questions about experience, industry, etc. So an example of a frequency question type is how often do you blank? There have been times when I've seen screeners provide never, sometimes, and often as answer options, and these are no good. People have different definitions of what often and sometimes might be, and chances are they'll differ from what you're looking for or how you define those. So it's better to be more specific and cut out any room for interpretation. So instead of using that never, sometimes, often, maybe, once a year, once a week, daily. So those are some of the standard answer options for a frequency question. But within these answer options, even though you should make them clear, you should also include distractors. Distractors are answer options that seem like they could be the right answer, but actually have nothing to do with what you're looking for in regard to your study. This will help to weed out the undesirables. It makes it hard to guess like what the study is actually all about or like what the right answer is to get to the next question or to qualify. But many times these distractors look like the right answers, but they're not actually what you're looking for. If we're talking about Ikea again, if we ask what types of furniture have you purchased within the last month the answer choice that's the right choice when we're talking about you know kitchen appliances is kitchen appliances obviously but we also want to throw in some extra ones in there right so if we want to figure out who's shopping for kitchen appliances but we don't want to make it super obvious that we're looking for people who are shopping for kitchen appliances we'll have kitchen appliances as an answer maybe bathroom furniture is an answer bedroom furniture living room furniture right like anything that you can get at ikea basically you want to have included in the answer options there so that way if someone selects bedroom and living room but not kitchen you know that yeah they shop at ikea but they're actually not in the audience that we're looking for right now for this study. Another tip is to inform participants of any extra things that you're gonna need from them or that they're gonna need to do. So make sure you get permission, this is super important, make sure you get permission from people if you're going to need any personal identifiable information from them, like an email address or even their name. Sometimes that can be very sensitive for people as it should be, data security is a real thing. So if they're going to need to provide some type of information that could personally identify them, it's good to let people know about that. That way they can choose to opt out of the test before you know you get in there and they feel all uncomfortable and now you're kind of stuck with someone who got through your survey but then abandoned the test. 
And then, of course, let people know if they need to download anything. You wanna set participants' expectations so that there are no surprises along the way, and that way you'll be more likely to receive a complete test. My next tip is to make your screener surveys only as long as they need to be. There's really no need to drag out your survey unnecessarily, and there's also not a need to cut out any questions if your questions are absolutely necessary. Sometimes our screener surveys can tend to get a bit long, especially if we're interested in a very specific target. However, if we are just cutting questions for the sake of cutting them, then that might be detrimental to us. There are some sources that recommend having three to five questions within your screener survey. And you know, while that's all good, it's also important to like, Realize that you know who you're searching for, you know what you need to get out of your screener survey. So just make sure that it's appropriate and not overkill. There is a such thing as participant fatigue or tester fatigue in that whoever the participant is gets like really tired along the way because your test or your study or your survey is a bit too long. And so just be you know aware of that, keep that in your mental, but also be sure that you know you're getting who you need to get. So just keep that in mind too. The next tip is to add a verification to the actual test or study. There are gonna be times when people are gonna get through your screener survey who aren't actually not qualified and you know, it happens, what can you do? Well, if you have an intruder, there is a way that you can try and see if you can verify the information that they gave you within the screener to protect your data. So let's say someone gets through our screener about Ikea. You can ask them at the beginning of the test to kind of explain their experience going to Ikea. When's the last time they went? What did they buy? What was that experience like? Why did they buy the item that they bought? How did they like the item? You know, try and dig a little deeper into the information that they've already provided and see if you can sense some bullshit there. People can get really excited and be specific or maybe they won't. And so you'll kind of have to use your better judgment there, but it doesn't really hurt to try and validate the information that you were given. My next tip is to test your survey before you release it for the love of God. There are going to be questions and answers that seem super obvious and plain to us, which will make no sense to other people. There may be some questions or answers that aren't necessarily capturing the information that we're looking for. And we will not know until we release this survey. So what better way to make sure that your survey is actually going to get you the information that you're gonna need than by testing it out. So send your screener to different people in your organization who aren't on your team or possibly even release it to the public just for a couple people. Make sure that they can get through it. Nothing looks shaky, nothing is misunderstood, everything looks good and is working correctly. And then once you get to that point, release it to the masses. Another tip I have for you is to edit your screener as you learn. So of course, you know, you might test it and it's looking all great and people are like, yeah, this is good, go for it. You get the green light and you send it out and it turns out that there is actually something wrong. Nobody is perfect, start by knowing that. And sometimes we just can't catch everything. Mistakes will happen. If something is unclear or if there is some type of mistake on your end, make sure to fix it and then test it until you're confident that this will be the version that will get you the participants that you need. And my last piece of advice, do not let UXers take or pass your survey unless you are specifically looking for feedback from them. People in the UX field are gonna have a different take on 
your project on your designs. They're just gonna have a different take on feedback in general. We have a different perspective because of the field that we are in. The same could be said for product managers, other researchers, and even some software developers. So it's super important to make sure you know the demographics of who your participants are before allowing them to qualify for your test. Include that question in there, maybe include it up front. Ask them about what their role is at their job or what their roles have been in the last like few years. You want to make sure you're getting more information and insight from people who are more likely going to be using your product. So yes, while UXers may be using your product as well, it's best to get feedback from people who are <laughs> normal <laughs> and don't have the perspective that we have. And that is it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really enjoyed having you here. If you have any other questions or comments, please feel free to leave them. Also, any feedback, I welcome it as always. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Unpacked Angles. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. If you didn't, hit us up on our website at www.unpackedangles.com or on social media at Unpacked Angles and let us know what we can do better. Until next time, deuces.